Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Don't be distracted by the, the long connection to the, from the computer to the outlet. My, my computer is, is a blessing, and um, it has a short memory. So I hope this isn't an eyesore for anybody. All right? Amen. Well, this morning, uh, as I said, my name is Pastor Raquel. Good morning. God bless you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just want to say that I'm so thankful to be up here this morning. I'm so thankful that... Um, that we have pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Kai, who are not here, who are out of town. But I'm so thankful for the shepherds of this house. Are you? Are you? Yeah? So thankful for the shepherds of this house. If not for Pastor John and Kai, I would not be up here. If not for Pastor John and Kai, I would never in my life grab a mic and come up and give a word that the Lord has spoken to me about. It is so much more comfortable for me to have a one-on-one. Just put that out there, okay? Amen. So, I think the last time that I preached, I think it was Pastor JR that pointed it out, because he has a great memory. I think it was last year. Um, It was last year, in this time, that I preached. And so right now, I literally feel like I'm on the bicycle, and the training wheels are off. That's how it feels. Have you ever been, uh, can you remember riding a a bicycle and you were little? Hopefully you were little when you started riding a bicycle. But when you were riding a bicycle, you were were little and the the first time you get on it without the wheels, you fall, right? Uh, You fall and you scratch maybe your knees or you fall and hopefully you don't bump your head. Some of us have, you know, some trauma from that. But... You've bumped your head, you fell, right? You cried, and you got back up on the bike again, right? And I'm bringing that up this morning because what's really on my heart is that's what training in faith looks like. Training in faith looks like that. It looks like you're on the bike, right? You're a little girl, little boy, and you got your mom, your dad there, and they're like, okay, you had the training wheels on, right? But now we're taking the training wheels off because we've been training with the wheels on. Now they come off and here you go. And that's what faith and process looks like. And then once you start doing it, you're riding a bike without the training wheels. And as you're riding the bike without the training wheels, your siblings who are younger or maybe your friends who are younger are watching you and they're like, I want to ride a bike too. And the process starts all over again. What would it be like if when we hit adversity and our opposition came and we quit in the middle of it? Whose life would be affected? No, no. Whose life would be traumatized? Because you decided that this was too hard. You're bleeding on your knees. You hit your head and you can't do it. Whose life, can we think about that? Whose life would be affected if you said, you know what, this is too hard, I can't do it. The process of our faith is so important. 
And so this morning, I just want to say, I uh, also want to say to my husband, because he's not here, him and uh, Jericho, they're out of town, but I just want to say, honor my husband too. Um, I'm so thankful for my husband. Uh, he has been uh, such a... Um, He's been so gentle with me. My husband can be, I'm used to him. I got tough skin from him, but there are times that I'm like, dude, calm down, calm down. But a lot of times when my husband is talking to me, uh, you know, he just has this posture, right? You guys know this. You guys know Pastor Donald. He has this posture and he just says it like, like it is, right? And sometimes you're like, you're like, dang. And he's like, I was just saying, (laughs) I was just saying, I'm like, yeah, let me, hold on. Let me just pick up this wound here. Let me put my arm back in place. No, but I'm so thankful for my husband because he knows me and he knows the process that I'm on. And he's been so patient with me. And he's just called me this morning and he just said, you know what? I love you, babe. I'm thankful for you. You got this. And, um, I've been praying for you and the word is in you. Amen. So I'm thankful for that. Amen. Yes. You can clap for my husband. I love him. Okay. So getting right into the message. We're going to deliver this baby. Okay, so you ever been on Facebook, right? And um, you've seen that post that said, uh, warning, long post, right? Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. I got lots of scripture. Got lots of scripture. I got a lot of passages just putting out there, okay? So warning, long post, and you guys can talk about me later, all right? I'll probably be up here again next year, next October, all right? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your amazing presence this morning, God. Lord, I thank you for parting the Red Sea this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the miracle, Lord, of your presence, the miracle of salvation this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to your church, your house, your people. I thank you, Lord, that your word is going to come forth, God, and it's going to do a miraculous work in every single one of us, God, because, Lord, it's not because of us, and it's not even because of me. It's because of your holy presence. And so, Father, I pray that there is a fear of God in this place, a fear, Lord, that we don't want to miss you. We don't want to miss you. We want to see you. We want to hear from you. God, we can't do this alone, and we don't want to do it without you. So, Father, I thank you that I will take a back seat to this, and, God, you will have the front seat. You're on the driving seat. I pray, Lord, that as I decrease, God, you increase in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever felt like... What you had, you didn't appreciate. Yeah? Right, good, I'm not alone. Have you ever prayed for something and it came and you're like, good God, I did not pray for this. I mean, let me just talk about it, okay? We lost a puppy a few years ago. We literally adopted a puppy. It lasted one month and it died. And it was traumatic. My kids had never had a pet before and this pet died. And the way it died was traumatic. And so my kids, um, after that, specifically my youngest daughter, she was like praying. She's like, oh, you know, I'm praying for a dog. She really wanted a dog. So what did we do? We all started praying. I even, I even tapped in some other people. I called Pastor Kai. I was like, hey, can you pray? I called Pastor Jenny at one time. I was like, can you pray? I, I was asking people, can you pray that we find, and it was a specific dog. Can you pray that we find this specific dog? You know, this was heartbreaking to my, to my children and like, you know, can you pray this? And so literally one year later, not kidding, literally one year later, we find the specific dog we were looking for. And we are so happy. And then I'm like, oh my God, because it's a puppy. And the puppy needs to be potty trained. And the puppy needs to be fed. And you got to worry about fleas and all this stuff. And I'm like, I wasn't, I didn't sign up for all of this. Have you ever felt like what you had you didn't appreciate? It could be a, it could be a house. You, you, you prayed for a house, you have a house, and now things are breaking down. You're like, dude, renting was so much more easier, right? Well, let me just be honest. This season in my life is changing in more ways than one. And just being transparent and completely honest with you guys, I don't like how busy my life has been. It's been super busy. I have four children. One is a young adult. Uh, the three are soon to be young adults. Two, I have twins that are 17, about to be 18 in a couple of months. And then my 16-year-old, they're growing up. They're just growing up. And uh, I, I'm on the other side of when the four of them were super small and we were homeschooling and, 
you know, we were home and we were home and we were home and we were home. So now I'm on the other side of it where it's like, Raquel, what were your dreams again? Uh, Raquel, what, what was it that you thought about in those times? Like, man, Lord, you really put this in my heart. I really could see me doing this. Well, we're here now. Can anybody relate? So I had to have this real conversation with the Lord. I'm like, look, Lord, um, my time, I'm super busy. I'm super busy. But um, I just got to tell you how I feel. And the reality is I am fully aware of why I'm busy. The gift of busy. Can someone say that? The gift of busy in my life has been from having a family. And when I say family, I'm not just talking about my kids and my husband. I'm talking about my church family. It's from having a family. So I get to practice the, some of y'all know this, I get to attitude. I get to. When I think it's not fun, this is not fun, and this is such an inconvenience, I get to. I get to clean my car. I get to wash my clothes. I get to serve in the house of the Lord. I get to love the body of Christ. I get to love the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. I get to love the body of Christ. (laughs) I get to care for my family. I get to open my house up to young adults all the time. And the thing about the I get to attitude is it grounds you in the present with whoever you're with and whatever you're doing. The get to attitude makes you see the gift in front of you. And that means that even if it's an inconvenience, even if it's hardship, even if it's hard and it hurts, right? Remember the little girl or little boy on the bike and falls and scratches and cries and cries or bumps their head and needs and stitches, maybe broke, broke a leg or broke an arm? The process, the process is there. And so you see, my attitude will always have a great impact on the way I grow. I don't have to make it harder than it already has to be. I don't, but a lot of times I do. A lot of times I'm asked to just be transparent. Like I said, I'm comfortable not being on the mic. I'm comfortable not talking in front of people. Uh, Raquel, can you lead prayer? (laughs) (laughs) Raquel, can you preach? (laughs) Mm. Just being honest. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. And I could fall and I could bruise and I could hurt myself. But then when I think about other people, I mean, what would the church like look like if all the great speakers were the ones that were speaking? What if we told our little children in the children's ministry, you, got, you stutter, sorry, you can't lead prayer. I'm just saying, how much faith is built in the church when God says that he uses the weak, the despised, and the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? Like, where does he get the glory? My attitude will always have a great impact on the way I grow. It doesn't have to be harder than it already has to be. It's going to be hard. We do hard things. Can we just say that? We do hard things. It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting. You might feel like you might lose your mind, but stick with it. Stick with it. Amen? Here at the building, we say it all the time. Here we grow. Come on, somebody say it. Here we grow. Here we grow, right. Here we grow, meaning like we grow here at the Building Christian Fellowship, and here we grow. I'm going to do something that I don't feel comfortable or qualified to do. Here we grow, right? And this is how we grow. Pastor John preached at the beginning of September that God's church is growing. I'm so thankful for Pastor Jenny saying to watch the annex because I went on the annex, and I was watching the 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 sermons, and I'm like looking at the Lord's messages every week, and I'm like how powerful God is, how powerful. Listen, if your faith is low, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Go on the annex and listen to the annex and listen to every single week. If your faith is low, listen to the word of God. Pastor John preached at the beginning of September that God's church is growing. The Building Christian Fellowship is growing. And he talked about church splits and the spirit of offense. Why? Because people don't like to be uncomfortable. Uh, I used to attend this growth group, and now they let in Sally, and they let in Ben. And I'm not okay with that because we were fine without them. People don't like to be uncomfortable. 
People like the same thing all the time. Some people like change, some don't. I'm one of them that don't like change. I'm like, look, relationships are hard work. I have my five friends, I'm good. <laughs> Many people think I'm an ex uh, uh, extrovert, like bubbly and like friendly, but inside, you guys don't know, my battery is lowering and lowering and lowering. And then when I get home, I'm like, oh. <laughs> People don't like to be uncomfortable. But how many of us know that it's God's plan for his church to grow? And not just grow in numbers, but to grow healthy. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Pastor Donald said that anytime we're choosing to walk the path that God has laid for us, there's going to be opposition and the subtle suggestion of the enemy to second guess that God's plan isn't good. It's a subtle, it's a subtleness that the enemy says, that's not good. Look, you keep messing up. That's not good. You weren't made for that. That's not good. You can't speak. That's not good. You don't have the finances. That's not good. You shouldn't write that. Usually, when he comes in like that, that should be like a telltale sign to us that, hmm, if I did it, if I did it, if I did it, the enemy would be overcome. Like, if I did it, it would shut him down. If I did it, it would save the lives of those that are behind me. If I did it, it would shut him down. He'd be defeated. Someone say, my growth is personal, but it's not private. Mm, let that sit in. My growth is personal, but it's not private. If you decide to walk away from your faith and process right now, we all see it. We all get to see how real your faith was. We all get to see if really you were in it because of the blessing or if you were in it because you love Jesus. John 15, 16 says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have appointed and placed and purposely planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing. That your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask the father in my name as my representatives, he may give to you. This is what I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Why am I doing this? Because it's a continual on process. I keep on bearing faith. I don't get, I get back up. The Bible says that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. But it also says that the one disaster for, one disaster for the, will overthrow the wicked. One disaster. What's the wicked? The unbelieving. How many of us Christians have felt that? God, I don't believe that you can help me through this. One disaster. One disaster will knock them out, the wicked. But the righteous, they trip up, they fall down, but they get back up. That means that the process of faith isn't pretty. They fall like you're on a bike. They fall. That means they get hurt. They bump their heads. They have scratches. They have stitches. They, they, they break something, but they get back up. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Today's message is stick to the growth plan. Stick to the growth plan. I like stories. This is a cute story. It's a potato, an egg, and a coffee bean. A young woman went to her mother and told her about the problems she was facing in life. She said she was tired of fighting and struggling and didn't know how to keep going. And the mother took her to the kitchen and filled three pots with water. She placed each pot on a burner, turned on the heat, and put a potato in one pot, an egg in the second, and a coffee bean in the third. After a while, she turned off the burners and fished out the potato, the egg, and the coffee bean and asked her daughter to observe them carefully. The potato was soft and had become very weak. The egg, which had been fragile, now had hardened shell inside. But the coffee bean had transformed the water into a rich and a rat or aromatic coffee. 
The mother then explained that each of these objects had faced the same adversity. Boiling water. However, each of them had reacted differently. The potato went in firm and strong and hard, but in boiling water, it became soft and weak. The egg had been fragile and had a thin outer shell, but in the water, boiling water, it had become hard inside. The coffee bean, on the other hand, had changed the water and created something new. Hmm. The mother explained that we all face adversity and how we react to it depends on us. How we react to it depends on us. We can either become weak, we can become hard, or transform the situation into something new. Amen? The young woman realized that she had a choice to be like a potato, to be like an egg, or to be like a coffee bean. What do you want to be like? Which one do you want to be? I don't know about you, but I want to be a sweet-smelling fragrance in my master's nostrils. So I have two questions this morning. How's the health of your growth doing? How's the health of your growth doing? And second is, will you continue to grow with us? Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest. Refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Follow me as I fo- follow me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Now look, here's a little history for you. I, I, I did a little studying. You know, my husband is the teaching pastor, so I was like, let me try. Let me put on my glasses. Let me try to be, uh, uh, you know, a theologian here. Let me try and do this. So listen, a yoke was a common idiom in the first century for a rabbi's way of teaching the Torah. Now, for some of you, this is probably only me. I was like, idiom, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've been in school. So idiom is like when you say it's raining cats and dogs out there. And really, it's raining hard, right? So, so there was, this was this idiom. Um, in the first century for rabbis, another way for another word for rabbis, teachers, for the teacher's way of teaching the Torah. And the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Okay, caught it? Did that do a good job? Yeah? Okay. A rabbi is a teacher. It was his set of teachings on how to be human. His way to shoulder the weight of life, marriage, divorce, sex, money, conflict resolution, government, all of it. So picture two oxen yoked together to pull a cart or plow a, a field. A yoke is how you shoulder a load. You see, what makes Jesus unique wasn't that, that he had a yoke, because all rabbis had a yoke. It was that he had an easy yoke. Discipleship is all about learning about God, how Jesus did it. What would Jesus do? Remember that the bracelet? What would Jesus do? We all wore it. What would Jesus do? We need to bring that back. What would Jesus do? In other words, they were learning how he lived, and he was gentle and lowly at heart. He wasn't like the other rabbis who put their own spin on what it looked like to live a godly life. Jesus says, if you're tired of these rituals, if you're tired of um, jumping through um, uh, all of these hoops and you have no peace, come. Come to me. I'll be your teacher, and I'll teach you. Just follow me. And I'll give you rest because I'm gentle and humble at heart. Amen. So my first point is, how do we stick to the growth plan? First point, realize God's plan is perfect. Realize God's plan is perfect. All right, so here's the first passage. It's a big passage. I'm going to summarize it, and then we're going to go back to some of the, well, I'll give the script, the verse, and then we'll read it, Okay. I just overexplained. It's fine. First Kings 22. There was this king named Ahab. There was this king named Ahab, and uh, he wanted to fight against Ramoth Gilead. And he had asked his king friend Jehoshaphat if he would go with him to fight against Ramoth Gilead. And King Jehoshaphat says, "Yes, you're my friend. I'll go with you. I'll seek. I'll, I'll, you know, my my animals are your animals. My my life is your life. Your people, my people. This is what the King Jehoshaphat is saying to King Ahab. And so he says, though, King Jehoshaphat says to him, before I go to war with you, let's first seek the counsel of the Lord. 
And so King Ahab brought 400 prophets together and asked the prophets, should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? And the prophet said, go, the Lord is with you. You'll succeed. But King Jehoshaphat, he asked, "Mm, I don't know, something in here isn't sitting right with me. Is there another prophet, like a prophet that knows the Lord? And King Ahab said, yes, there is, but I hate him. And his name is Micaiah. Because he never prophesies good about me. He's always telling me something wrong. He's always telling me something that I'm not doing right. There obviously was some uh, history between them two. So 1 Kings 22, 19 to 33, let's read. Micaiah continued, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting, oh, quick, forgot a real, very important part. So King Ahab says, yes, there is. His name is Micaiah. And so King Jehoshaphat says, okay, let's go get him. They bring him in, and King uh, Ahab says, uh, tell me what the word of the Lord is. But the other 400 prophets are telling Micaiah, hey, this is the word of the Lord that we gave uh, King Ahab, that he should go and he will succeed. And so Micaiah's like, okay, fine, but uh, I'm going to give the word of the Lord. What the Lord tells me, I'm going to say. So King Micaiah, he, uh, I'm sorry, pro- the uh, Micaiah, the, the, the prophet, thank you, he goes and he says to King Ahab, he goes, okay, this is the word of the Lord. He says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him and on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, by what means? He says, I will go out and I will be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all the prophets, he said. And the Lord said, go, you will succeed. And so he goes and uh, the way the story goes is that um, he goes, uh, the spirit goes into the deceiving mouths of all the prophets and um, King, uh, I'm sorry, prophet, um, Micaiah says, the Lord has decreed disaster for you. Um, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to skip through some of this. So what happens? This is how the story goes. Um, Micaiah goes, he gives the word of the Lord. And what happens? There's disaster. The king uh, tries to do trickery. He tries to say, hey, King Jehoshaphat, how about you go? Let's have a plan. How about you go pretend you're me? putting his friend in danger. How about you go? And then um, they, they won't notice me. And so what happens is, is uh, someone at random shoots out an arrow and the arrow hits King Ahab. A random person just shoots an arrow and it hits King Ahab in the side of his, uh, of his um, uh, battle gear. I'm just telling you guys, there's some really juicy stories in the Bible. All right. So what happens um, King Ahab dies and King, uh, I'm sorry. And prophet, the prophet Micaiah, what happens is he gets put in prison. He gets put in prison because he said what the Lord told him to say. And that's the end of the story. The King died. All right. My first point from this is God has a perfect plan and he's in control and there's no way around his plan because the outcome belongs to the Lord. There's so much from this passage that we could take and extract Um, so you should read it on your own and you should study it, but I just really want to bring out the first part of it is that God has a perfect plan in the middle of this battle, in the middle of this, um, uh, the offense against, um, Micaiah, Micaiah comes and he stands firm and he gives the word of the Lord, even though there are 400 prophets saying the exact opposite of what he is saying, he still says and delivers the word of the Lord. The second point is Micaiah was placed in face of opposition. And he said, the Lord has decreed disaster upon you. The third point is a spirit was sent to entice King Ahab. A spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. I will be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all this prophet. I'm going somewhere with this. Stick with me. First Samuel 17. You guys read it. Most of us that have been raised in church know about David and Goliath, right? Okay, well. Just to give you a little bit of background on that, you can read 1 Samuel 17, but Goliath is a huge, monstrous opponent. 
He's a creature sent by the Philistines as their champion, and he's terrorizing the people of God. And you got David, who is a small in stature, young and experienced shepherd boy, who is, worship, who is the worshiper of the living God. So David goes to fight Goliath with a sling and five smooth stones. Can someone say that? A sling and five smooth stones. The weapons of a shepherd boy. He wins, and Goliath is slain. And little David, the shepherd boy, conquers his opponent, Goliath. Here's what I want to drive home with these two passages of Scripture. It's this. Our position to obey the Lord is never measured against the size of our opponent of our warfare. Do you guys hear that? Our position to obey the Lord is never measured against the size of our opponent of our warfare. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, still stand. Listen, the evil day is that day. The evil day is when all hell breaks loose. Evil day is when you didn't see it coming. The evil day is when you had no expectation. That is the evil day. And that is the day that you stand. In the midst of evil, in the midst of adversity, when you are tempted to withdraw from the enemy, God's plan is perfect. It's warfare when your opponent comes against God. Let me put it this way. It's warfare when the opponent comes against you and anyone that, anyone that you love or care about. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He's gone. He's with you. He won't walk away from where it is that you're, the, the faith of your process. He's not walking away. He's not leaving you. When I look at my own capacity compared to God's available ability called grace and I disqualify myself because I don't see how this is going to work, that's warfare. When I don't believe that God's ability and his power can change or make a difference, that's warfare. God is building his church and his plan is perfect. Thank you, Lord. Someone say, my growth is personal, but it's not private. Spiritual warfare is real, and its assignment comes to you as an, an opponent of opposition. How do I know? Matthew eleven twelve says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There's a very real picture of spiritual warfare here. C.H. Spurgeon wrote, there is a holy violence needed. What we want today in the churches is violence, not violence against each other, but violence against death, against hell, against the hardness of other men's hearts, and against the sleeplessness, sleeplessness, sleeplessness of our own. That's the violence. That we come against the sleeplessness of our own, that we're not walking giants, that we have this, we have full armor all the time. Well, that's if you're taking time to read your word. See, the Bible says that if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. What does that mean? That means your initiative is first. If you abide in me and I abide in you, that's what he says. Someone say, stick to the growth plan. My second point is this. Realize it's not only about you, but beyond you. It's not only about you, but beyond you. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation and unworthy earthly vessels of human frailty so that the grandeur and the surpassing greatness of the power be shown to be from God. His, his sufficiency and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every way, hedged in but not crushed. We are perplexed unsure of finding a way out, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down and persecuted, but not deserted to stand alone. We're struck down, but never destroyed. Always carrying in the body the dying of Jesus so that the resurrection life of Jesus may also be shown in your body. For we who live are constantly experienced the threat of being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the resurrection life of Jesus may be evident in your mortal bodies, which is subject to death. So physical death is actively at work in us, but spiritual life is actively at work in you. 
What is Paul saying? He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Paul is saying, we suffer so that life will be in you. The resurrection life. Your death brought the power of resurrection life in someone else. Have you shared your story? Have you shared your, st- your testimony while you're in process? Let me just tell you, looking at Pastor John and Pastor Kai's life, the past three years with Pastor John's new heart, the two strokes, all of that stuff, and us being on the other side of this, <laughs> what would have happened if Pastor John and Pastor Guy said, you know what, church, this is too hard for us. We can't be the shepherds of this house. We're sorry. We're done. I mean, can you guys imagine how devastating that would be to the Building Christian Fellowship? Can you imagine how devastating that would be to the future people that are coming to this house in our community? We always say that the Building Christian Fellowship isn't just a church in Sassoon City, but it's a church for Sassoon City, right? What would happen if the shepherds of this house walked away because adversity came to them? And it wasn't once. It wasn't twice. And this is still ongoing because Pastor John is still dealing with adversity. I mean, he's healed. He's whole. He has a lot of energy. He's running. But there's still stuff that he's working out because of the effects of that. And he still shows up Sunday after Sunday, week after week, even in his weakness. How does that testify to you? What if you walked away in your weakness? What if you said, you know what? I can't do it. I sound stupid. I don't, I don't think like them. I don't, I, if I do it, it's going to look different. What would happen if we just walked away because of the pressure? I'll tell you what would happen. Others wouldn't grow. Others wouldn't see the testimony of God's salvation. Others people wouldn't get to know Jesus for themselves because you were selfish to walk away from a time that you could grow. Here's a third point. We model our life after Jesus. John 17, 21 says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, the Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Our mission is Jesus' mission. And his mission was to be with the Father. That was his mission. God, I want to be one with you. And when I'm one with you, I want them to be one with us. And I want them to know I want them to know that, you, that I want them to believe in me and know that you sent me. And this should be ours as well. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he would do if he were you. To be like Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to be and, and do what he would do if he were you. Listen, I'm just up here this morning to tell you this. Stop looking at what other people have. Stop looking at what you don't have. Start looking at what you do have. Stop looking at what other people have. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. God is not done with your story. And the rope of life, in the rope of life, there's a huge rope of life, God willing. And right now you're here. And there's so much more to go. So much more to go. And if you quit here, your grandbabies, your future friendships, the people that you are going to mother and father spiritually will quit. They'll quit because you quit. As I close, how do we stick to the growth plan? Number one, we realize God's plan is perfect. Number two, we realize it's not only about you, but beyond you. Number three, we model our life after Jesus. Sometimes we can make life so much more difficult than it needs to be. So this morning, as we close, I just want to bring to to the remembrance of Jesus being the rabbi, he was the rabbi of all rabbis. He was the teacher of all teachers. And he said this, he said, follow me, learn from me, and I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. He said unforced. See, the rabbis back in that day were forceful. They're like, this is the way to follow the the, the Messiah. This is the way that you do it. And if you don't do it, then you 
are not a child of God. But God doesn't say that. He says, follow me, learn from me, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There's so much grace in your life. The fact that you're here right now is a testament that God's grace and mercy is sufficient in your life. There's so much grace. Last week, we celebrated Pastor John and Pastor Kai. It was Appreciation Sunday. It was a great service. You guys go back and rewatch it. But I heard the Lord say this, and this stuck out to me. He said, stick to the growth plan. As every elder came up and displayed one word of what our pastors meant to them, I heard the Lord say, stick to the growth plan. The little shepherd boy, David, grabbed five smooth stones to defeat against the enemy. And I want the Building Christian Fellows to know this. We have five smooth stones to stick to the growth plan and defeat the enemy. I want to pray for our leadership. If you're a leader, and if you serve in any capacity of leadership at TBCF, the Lord has told me to pray for you. So I'd like you to come to the altar so I could pray for you. If you could come now. Listen, you overcome your opponent, you overcome the enemy by being planted in the house of the Lord. You stick to the growth plan, God's church. And here's the thing about sticking to the growth plan. It requires training. Just like being on the the bicycle and you're on the bicycle and you're learning and the training wheels comes off. Well, it's the same thing as you're growing up and you're becoming an adult. You're training. And what are we training in? We're training in humility. We're training in resilience. We're training in leadership. We're training in vision. And we're training in faithfulness. Let me say that again. We're training in humility. We're training in resilience. We're training in leadership. We're training in vision. And we're training in faithfulness. That's how we stick to the growth plan. My growth may be personal, but it's not private. Your growth is personal, just like your faith is personal, but your faith is not private. People are watching. People are watching. People need to know that there's hope. And what better testimony, what better victory than to see a gigantic monster, an evil opponent come against God's children and to see him flat, land flat on his face with no victory. What a testimony for you, for us to stand in full faith, flat-footed, that the Lord told me to do this, so here I am, Lord, and God, I'm not going to back down to the evil that's before me. What a testimony. What a testimony. God is not done. God's plan is perfect. And no matter how the enemy comes and he tries to mess with your mind and to spew lies and to make you feel like you're alone and you're not loved and God doesn't remember you, he's a liar. You know, the Bible says that he's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. So what does that mean if we listen to a lie? Are we his children? He's the father of lies. So this morning, I want to pray for our leadership that we will train, we will train in humility. God, you be exalted. I'll get low. I'll get low. I'll get lower. I'll get lower because you be exalted. It's not about me being right. It's not about me getting my own way. God, I'll get lower. I'll get lower. It's not about how many times I mess up. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. But one disaster from the wicked will overthrow him. We are not his wicked people. We are children of the living God. And he's holy. And his word stands for true. His word stands true. His word stands true. So this morning I pray that you stick to the growth plan. You stick to the growth plan. Don't allow the enemy to tell you that you are not worthy. Don't allow him to tell you that God did not choose you. God chose you. He gave his only life. He gave his son for you. So that you would be with him forever. The end goal is to be with Jesus. 
I'm sorry, it's not about having a fancy, uh, comfortable life in this world. The end goal is to be with Jesus. The end goal is to be God. God, here I am, God. Um, I want to be faithful. That's the end goal. The goal is to be with Jesus. It's not about retirement. And it's not about having a big home and going uh, uh, on camping trips every week. That is not, if you aren't telling people about Jesus, So, Father, this morning I pray for every single leadership, every single person, all of TBCF leadership. Raise your hands. Raise your hands, leaders. Father, I pray right now for every leader in this house, God. I pray, Lord, that we will have the five stones that David had. Mm. We will have the five stones, God. And no matter what Goliath comes, no matter what enemy comes, God, that we will train in humility, that we will train in resilience, that we will train in leadership, we will train in vision, and we will train in faithfulness, that we will not back down. God, we thank you right now that you are a good shepherd. God, you said for us to cast our cares on you because you care for us. So God, I pray over every single leader that is here at the altar, every person, God, that has said yes, every person that has laid their life down for you, God, I pray that you speak to them. I pray right now that you would expose the lie of the enemy, every stronghold right now that has come for their mind, their peace of mind. God, I pray that you break its power in the name of Jesus. God, I pray every single person here knows that they are adequate in the Lord, that they are sufficient in the Lord, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, I pray right now, we are, no, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I will give God glory. You will give God glory in your life. You will not bow down to idols in your mind. You will not bow down to the idols in your heart. You will not allow the enemy to have victory. There are people coming to the Building Christian Fellowship. There are people coming, sons and daughters returning from being broken and lost. People are, your testimony is on the line. Your testimony is on the line. So God, I pray that all of us leaders, God, allow you, Lord, to do your perfect will in our hearts, that we will never be the same again. I pray, Lord, that as we're training, as we're on this bicycle of life, as we're on this process of faith, God, that we're looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. God, I thank you right now that you are the one that, that, that raises the dead. I thank you, Lord, for the resurrection power in our story the resurrection power. God, we will share every bit of our testimony because it all points to you. It points to your goodness. It points to your faithfulness. It points that if you didn't come, if you wouldn't come, I would not be saved. If it wasn't for you, I would not be here. It points to you. So God, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, you have your way in your people. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you strengthen your leaders with our hands raised up. God, strengthen your leaders. It's coming to the end of the year. And usually when it comes to the end of the year, we start to kind of wind down. But God, not us. God, we're not throwing in the towel. God, I'm asking that you refresh your people. I'm asking God that you would give us the grace to train. Give us the grace to train, to buffet our bodies. Give us the grace. We don't want to stay the same. We will stay the same if not for the power and grace of Jesus Christ. God, we don't want to stay the same. So God, the way that we see you, God, let us see ourselves. That you are good. That you are faithful. That you have a great plan and expected end for us. We have people that are, we're praying for, people we're praying for to come into the salvation and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we don't want to stop working in your vineyard. We don't want to grow tired. There are people coming. There are daughters and sons coming that are feeling so insecure. They don't know if they have a place. They don't know if they have a purpose. God, let us not dare walk away from the plow. Listen, there's a difference between trying and training. When I'm trying, I'm really not. But when I'm training, I'm doing something. In other words, this is what discipline is. Discipline is an activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which currently I cannot do directly, I cannot do by direct effort. Let me say that again. 
discipline is an activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which currently, that which currently I cannot do by direct effort. That's what we're here. We're sticking to the growth plan, church. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's all I got. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Right now, uh, if we could have some intercessors uh, stay at the front. I want to I call for uh, salvation. If this word has woken, spoken to you in your heart, there's a pricking in your heart, like you feel you're awake to what God is saying. I want you to come up to the front. We want to pray for you. If you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come up to the front. We want to pray for you. And if you want to return back to the Lord and say, God, you know what? I'm going to stick to the growth plan. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to allow the sin, the sin in in my life to stop me from sticking to the growth plan. So this morning, if that's you, I want to give an opportunity for you to come up. We have intercessors up here and they would love to pray for you. Is there anybody here? Anybody here that would love to meet with the Lord? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and close this out and pray while this young lady is being prayed for. Father, we lift up our hands and we can stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is life. We thank you, Lord, that you've come and you've met with us this morning. God, that we will never be the same again. God, I thank you right now, Lord, for speaking to your church, God, about training us in righteousness. <laughs> You're training us in, in, in your way. You're training us in godliness. And so, Lord, I thank you for this word, God. I pray that this word continues to build in every single one of our hearts, God. Lord, I pray, Father, that you be glorified. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would break away the shame, break away the guilt, God. Break its stronghold over every single person that is in this place. God, that they would know that they've been called for such a time as this, that they have a testimony. The fact that they're living right now, they have a testimony. So, God, I pray, Jesus, that in the rope of life, in the span of life, that they see, God, that they have life in you and life abundantly. God, that we see, Jesus, that it's your grace and your mercy upon our life to be able to speak about your faithfulness and it's not about how I feel mm. so Lord let me just say that it's not about how I feel one day I could feel like I'm on top of the world and the next day I could feel so low and I could feel like God I'm numb and I don't feel you it's not about our feelings how I feel is not how I'm doing and how I'm doing is not how I feel God it's about faith so God I pray right now Lord that faith would abide in every single one of your people faith 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 comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. I pray for a conviction. I pray for a holy conviction in your church right now, God, that we will take your holy word seriously. That we would take hearing the word of God and reading the word of God seriously because we have our armor in the word. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray, God, that as everyone goes their way, Lord, God, that you just continue to minister to every single one of our hearts. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, we all say amen. Amen. God bless you guys.